0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. This is the third of five-week series on introduction to mindfulness meditation. Myself, Tanya Weiser, and my friend and co-teacher, Don Neal. She doesn't have her mic on, so I'll speak for her. Yeah, and um, so the way that this, taught, this class is taught is consistently taught, no matter who you come learn it by, in this kind of concentric circle way. The first week of the class is uh, focused on breath. Um, the second week is body. And the third week, which is this week, is emotions. And it's sort of like, you know, the breath is this kind of core experience, sort of more focused. And we expand to include all of the body the second week. And now we're going to expand further to incorporate emotions, mindfulness of emotions. And then each week we invite you to preference the theme of the week in your meditations. Preference being aware this week of emotions. Um, to practice learning like a study you're studying them more when do they come up how do they come up how do they impact you that kind of thing not that um, we expect you won't keep breathing or having a body right and we haven't talked yet about thinking and it's not that we're expecting your thoughts to have gone away so um so just as a refresher in week one with the breathing We talked about establishing an anchor or a tether for our awareness, a reference point or something to help ground us and stay aware of the present moment experience. And breath is often a chosen anchor for people. It's um, dynamic, meaning it's kind of constantly moving, shifting. It can be felt in a lot of different places in our body. For many people, it's a very neutral thing to pay attention to. Um, If it's not a neutral, if it's triggering for you in some ways, then shift to mindfulness of body or or sound. Those are the two easiest other objects. And um, so that's just a basic summary of week one. Week two was mindfulness of the body, and some of the things that we talked about were kind of that the, you know, the body has intelligence in it. There's more and more science, neuroscience and other science to talk about. Like the gut brain, literally some intelligence in the brain that communicates directly with the, the brain brain. Um, things like butterflies in your stomach are part of that communication pattern. Um, there's a ventral vagus nerve that travels, wanders around the body, but all the way into the gut up to the brain. It goes kind of zigzaggy heart, you know, chest. Um, And that this is a pathway of communication between the body and the organs and the brain. And so if there's intelligence in this body and it's trying to communicate with us and it's not using words, I like to say the sensations are the way the body is talking to us. It's communicating through sensation. That's the language of the body. And... And receiving those sensations, receiving those feelings, recognizing them is how we listen to the body, how the body feels listened to. We have the lights the way they are. Sorry, they're a little dark because there's some flickering happening. So but please feel free to sit closer or back wherever you want. But you're happy, you know, we're happy to have you here. Um, so What else about the body? Um, Another beautiful thing about the body, which is true for the breath too, but the body-based experiences are always in the present moment. We have sensations here, right now. So I like to think about it as a gateway, a way for us to access connection to the present moment. So not in the mental ideas, and the stories, the imagining we do, but the direct connection with the present moment experience. So it's a very helpful, very helpful and important part of mindfulness practice. And I think there's a quote from the Buddha that goes something like that, like, if, if, you, want, if you want to reach liberation, develop mindfulness of the body. It's incredibly important in the practice. So, another part of kind of shifting that we worked on last week was how to experience these sensations, how to experience the body without a commentary, without a like evaluation comments, like, uh, you know, bad, good, um, you know, like judging, right? Good and bad are judgments. It's more like this neutral kind of just recognizing the pure, more pure sensation like, oh, it's not a good or bad sensation. It's a strong sensation. It's a pulsing sensation. It's cold or it's warm, right? So as much as possible, that's a very supportive part of practice is to kind of be moving out away from that judgmental or evaluating mind into more of a pure, kind of simple way of directly knowing and naming in a real simple way our experience. Dawn also talked last week about pain and how to work with pain. And one of the things that she mentioned was it's a dynamic and changing experience. And so if we can start to pay attention to how it's changing and bringing that more neutral kind of way of recognizing the sensations instead of kind of maybe we... It's almost like um, uh, we're amplifying the pain in the way that we talk to ourselves about the pain. And then finally, we were kind of... We've been doing this each week, but kind of Don brought in this idea of the inner posture... So there's the physical posture in your body, but there's also an inner posture. And this, this is referencing our relationship to our experience. How are we relating to our inner world? This week, we'll expand to talk about emotions. And I would love to hear a few words from you all. What do you think about? How, what words come to mind when I bring up the word emotions, what are emotions? How are they meaningful to you? Are they problematic to you? Would anybody be willing to say a few words? There's two mics on the floor. Maybe you guys could just pick them up, um, turn them on. Those are that are close to them, Hold on, if you mind? Yeah. Thank you guys for helping each other. And um, so just a very simple word or two Nothing, no, like just, just a few little words Like what do you think about, what comes up when you think about emotions? Unified Unified? Okay, great
1: I see them as interpretations of the current circumstances Interpretations,
0: great Stories. (laughs) stories <laughs> stories anybody else reactions, reactions. yeah feeling. feeling i think you said feeling feeling great So we all have kind of complex relationships with our emotions, right? Um, Some emotions maybe we really like, some emotions we don't like. Um, Emotions can be both sublime and excruciating. Yeah? There's this whole range. I, I like to think about them as a way of... I like these words interpreting or responding, reacting, kind of like our, it's the way our minds and bodies have synthesized and created associations to what's happening. Emotion is about our response or reaction to what's going on. Sometimes, actually, it's not about what's going on now, but something that reminds us of what has happened in the past. So they're not so present centered based, they're just triggered, which makes them tricky. Right, and sometimes, if we you know have a reaction to something um that has grown our response, our associated uh experience to something even as simple as the way a piece of you know glass of water is put on a counter, something like that can generate very strong emotions. Um, or fear of flying or speaking is something that we start to grow this intense more and more intensity um, that has very little to do feel free to come in yeah. so uh, one other thing I'll say about um, emotions is that another thing I like to think about is that um, they're a communication system they're trying to motivate us to get us to do something. Like, there's, if you think about emotions like sadness, they tend to inspire or result in a body that is heavier, leaning forward, more quiet, not moving, right? Whereas anger would have the opposite with a lot of energy, a lot of uprightness, perhaps, you know, running or attacking energy, right? Um, So in a way, it's like if we're tuning in really carefully and we notice early on, we don't have to go maybe as far with the emotion in terms of the intensity of it if we notice it sooner. So that's a little mini intro to emotions, and we'll be talking about it more. And um, So we want to open up now to see... If you have some questions about your practice this last week, um, any stories that you'd be willing to share about things that you're noticing, ways your practice is is changing, um, or, you know, anything that I brought up that you want more clarification around. So again, if you don't mind picking up the mic if it's by you and just turning it on and um, being ready to help get it to anyone who might be interested in sharing or asking a question.
2: If you could please give your name for the benefit of the whole group as you ask your question, that would be wonderful.
3: Okay. Raise my hand. Uh, Last week, um, you mentioned about um, listening to the sounds while meditating. And um, I'm very sensitive to sounds, so like uh, for years I've suffered from all these noises around me. And um, my residence has this, well, in the path of airplane, so that has been really bothering me. But um, after we we talked about just paying attention to sounds and maybe embrace it and letting go, that helped me kind of. <laughs>
0: oh, good. So you felt? Wonderful. Yeah. Go ahead, Don. I'd like yeah. to hear your voice. So you I, I tried to understand.
3: sleep without earplugs <laughs> for the last few days, and just kind of embrace the sound and not concentrate on the airplane noise, but other noises like a car or just little noises around it, and that helped me go to sleep without the earplugs. <laughs> so,
2: Wonderful. So I Wonderful. To share that. Thank you. So, did I hear you correctly that you also said it didn't bother you as much when you were just focused on the sounds?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, the, the airplane sounds. Noise? Right before I was just focusing on airplane noise. <laughs> oh,
2: so you opened up the your um, hearing kind of senses sure, to all yes, sounds, yes, not just uh, the one that was annoying you. Right.
3: So, I was just concentrating on the car noise maybe my neighbor, you know, making noise or mm-hmm. just anything, and the sound of the wind, the rain, and just other things and they were all kind of pleasing sound all together.
2: Wonderful, so
3: wonderful. It was, was a little more peaceful.
2: More peaceful. That's great. It's a great observation and I'm uh, interested to hear how it progresses as time goes on.
0: I would say one thing, Grace, um, about what you're sharing is an example of um, how when something starts to become automatically preferenced in our awareness, like there's been a preference in your mind because of the aversion to hearing the airplane sounds, and now you're actually choosing and preferencing to open up to other sounds. That's... Like, you are choosing where you're giving your awareness. That is amazing. Yeah, my world opened
1: up a little
0: bit. Yeah,
3: your world opened up a little
2: bit. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. The
3: sound. World of sound. Beautiful world of
2: sound. And to say that the same exact way of opening up your attention does wonders in working with pain, too. This is a, a similarity, this preferencing that Tanya is talking about. Um, if it's aversive, preferencing, it can really lock us into a feedback loop, whether it's with the annoying sound or with the annoying sensation or whatnot. And this really powerful move you did of opening attention more broadly can work in any of the senses. can't oh,
3: okay. yeah. think about it that way, but I sure could use it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Wonderful.
3: Okay.
2: Anybody else? Yes,
4: please. It's on. You talked about the first week about. Can that. you turn
2: the
0: mic this way toward? Yeah. And
4: mm. uh, somebody will eat it. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Except you don't really have to. <laughs> the you talked about the first week about breath, the second week uh, about body. So when we talk about the body, um, and you talk about experiencing it, um, uh, there is dancing, like uh, for example, that um, in, like what comes to mind is not like the in you know, the body pain or whatever, but the mathematics of it, like or the science where well, that is involved in that is part of the you know the beat and the even the uh, the physiology of the various uh, muscles that are moving like 14,000 limbs you know there is a um, in um, there is a book which is titled Dance of Shiva where he talks about unison earlier I used the word unified where the dance is referred to as something which is unifying the entire universe um, by that experience of uh, of for the body uh, and there is mathematics and there is science I mean like for example in classical dancing there is like, mm-hmm. we can make a circle in four steps or a diagonal, or you know the um, so that rhythm with the um, exercise that the body is able to get by virtue of this, you know, the scientific methods, is what I wanted to say how we experience, how we can experience a body.
0: Yeah, so in, in our, our scene here, in the Theravada scene, the mindfulness, Um, meditation we try and um, kind of keep our experience our attention focused on our direct experience not the concepts but the direct experience so one thing you're pointing to is there's you know like the muscles so sometimes in our practice like we might tune in to a muscle in the body but we might also tune into the whole body but again it's like how do we just experience it not so much how we think about it but how do we experience the heartbeat in the body or these other things that you're referencing so direct connection direct experiencing thank you
1: yeah go ahead I I have a quick question I I have experienced that when I meditate my my dream world is more relaxed Mm -hmm. like if I skip one day I don't meditate Mm -hmm. Um, I have more like Uh, vivid or kind of like anxious dreams, like a little bit into the nightmare, but it doesn't happen when I meditate. Mm -hmm. It does have any relationship or it's just a, (laughs) it's my observation. Great, great.
2: I think it's a great observation. Very good noticing of cause and effect potentially, or at least some kind of correlation. I would encourage you to stay curious, stay interested in the effects both on your dream world, but also on your waking life on the days you meditate versus the days you don't. Many people do report sleeping better the days they meditate. It seems there's something that processes through, mentally and physically, um, that makes sleep a little bit easier. But I'd be hesitant to draw one to one. Um, this is always going to be this way. Um, you, it's going to change constantly, perhaps, or maybe for you it doesn't. But to just stay interested, stay curious. Um, Tanya, do you want to add anything to that?
0: I love what you're noticing. I really do, you know. And I think it is good to be really curious about it. The I think what Don is also pointing to is to remember, we, we like to figure things out. You know, we like to kind of X plus Y equals this. But then we start to relate to experience as a rule. Does that make sense? It's, this is that. But experience is so much more dynamic. And there's so many things that are influencing what happens. You know, it's, 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 and we're changing all the time. So, what we want to be careful of is making like these fixed ideas about, you know, this is going to lead to that. Well, it, it probably will, but we always need to stay connected to and open to what's really happening. Or we start to relate to experience from our expectations instead of what, what's actually happening.
2: Monique, did you have something? Yeah.
1: Okay. So I read in this science book that um, when a stimulus comes and it generates an emotion, then, you know, whatever chemical process arises in the body, if you just observe it and allow it to Pass through; it should flush in. I think there is a finite amount of seconds. Ninety seconds. You're yeah. actually
2: taking an anecdote right from the talk oh, and I'm about I'm to I'm give. So no, sorry. it's great. I will stop then. <laughs> it's great. So yes, good, good anecdote. That that'll lead me right in. Then, um, the scientist that I'm familiar with, you may have read a different um, citation, is a woman named Jill Bolte Taylor. She is a neuroscientist at Harvard, um, and she talks about how emotions from an embodied perspective, we're not reducing emotions just to this, but from an embodied perspective, they're kind of a chemical, hormonal, physical process. And if left alone, as Monique said, they tend to flush through our body in about a minute and a half, 90 seconds. Now, most of us, don't just let them move through most of the time, right? We have extra layers of reaction, another emotion about the emotion, or based on an assumption about the emotion, or there's a thought that comes in. So all of those extra layers perpetuate the loop of the emotion. In, um, in the Buddhist framework, the Buddhist framework, um, this is called adding a second arrow, piercing ourselves with a second arrow. And the Buddha tells this story of, um, just an unnamed man who is hit by an archer. One arrow, let's just say in the arm. It's not a mortal wound, but it's very painful. That's the first arrow. That's what life throws at us, right? Or it's a mistake or whatnot. The second arrow and the third and the tenth and the fifteenth, those are what we add on top. So if I'm um, walking through my house and I stub my toe, ouch, that's the first arrow. If I then start to have a lot of self recrimination, ah, stupid, clumsy, what were you thinking? Second arrow. what am I doing teaching mindfulness? I wasn't mindful at all. Whack, hit my toe. People are going to discover I'm a klutz and not a teacher. Oh no. Third arrow, fourth arrow. And it can build from there and there and there and just get bigger and more complicated and more convoluted. Even with this silly little example, right? So, mindfulness Helps us not to get over involved and not to believe the second arrow, third arrow, tenth arrow, and eventually not even to pick it up, or not so that the arrow doesn't have as much pointiness, as much pain associated with it. So there's a kind of a beautiful quality of mindful awareness when it comes to emotions and, and to thinking, but especially to emotions. And that is, if mindfulness is able to really hold an emotion, the afflictive, the difficult emotions, those tend to wane and wither over time through this careful, mindful Attention. The beneficial emotions, those that come from a kind of deeper wellspring in us, altruistic love, peace, calm, generosity, those when seen with mindfulness and this kind of discernment, those tend to grow. So there's a real power in stepping back and being open and allowing our emotions space to respect them. This is an opportunity on the cushion and many of us aren't necessarily used to feeling the full range of our emotions because we live in society and we're in relationships and we have jobs or commitments or whatnot and it's not always wise or even safe to express every emotion happening. So the habit can be to kind of shut out the ones that aren't convenient, right? Mindfulness is a kind of pause of presence, a sacred pause that allows all of the emotions to flow through and happen and get metabolized, get metabolized. So it can be a really powerful Experience to allow this to happen. It's not always an easy one. But the key is to let an emotion express and not get over involved, not push it away, not repress it, not deny it, and not fuel it, not add fuel to the fire, right? So let's just try a little three breath journey here. Really simple. And taking a breath and settling into your body, settling into your heart. And allow whatever prominent emotion is happening right now just to emerge into your heart, your body, your mind. Breathing, second breath. Feeling the sensations of the emotion. Emotions happen in the body. What does it feel like? And then with the third breath, notice your relationship to the emotion. Whatever that is like, dislike, bored, whatever. So, just that little three breath journey gives a sense of how emotions kind of live in the body and are also inextricably interwoven with the mind and the heart, right? in the Buddhist framework of how the mind works emotions and thoughts are two different species of mental activity in this big overall ecosystem and we'll talk more about thinking and thoughts next week but now, for now, just to acknowledge as Tanya said, it's not like just because we're teaching emotions you can't think, your minds are going to think but to just notice it. And for this week, this session, to privilege the emotions and the body sensations related to them. And notice. Notice how mindfulness might just help emotions come and go, flow through, without as many complications of judgment, or aversion, or resistance, or stories, or preferences. And if those things come up, to just notice those. don't need to do anything to them, and you certainly don't need to start adding another arrow, because this natural process comes up. That too withers over time, in most circumstances, through this process of mindful awareness. The alternative that mindful awareness cultivates is a kind of letting be, a kind of letting be. Not even the self recrimination about adding the arrows, right? Even letting that be if necessary. So, to notice the looping, the amplification that this neuroscientist, Joe Bolte-Taylor, talks about. To notice it when it happens. And for now, we're going to provide you with some alternatives. I'll provide you with some in this guided meditation, and Tanya will teach a great technique for investigation later on, which is another alternative to kind of get in there and, and fillet things apart. But meanwhile, it's really helpful to notice whatever emotion is happening while it's happening in the body. If you see the second arrows, tenth arrows, extra layers, just internally notice them as such. And for now, return to the body, return to the breath. Let them be in the background. Like Tanya said, our bodies, they're always here, they're always here now, right? They're not there and then. And most emotions, not necessarily that first arising, the 90 seconds, but the loop, is often about a there and then, or a set of assumptions. It's really helpful to notice sensations and posture extra reactions can include neural tension, muscular tension, even physical pain. So just notice that if it happens. And most of all, to notice that internal inner posture, inner relationship too. Okay? So we'll do a longer guided meditation now. Um... I'm starting us off here. Some of you are already meditating, but if you aren't, um, just take a moment to notice how your body is, notice how the feelings are. Just having heard all that, all this talking, these ideas, the great comments, the great questions. and take a moment to relax and soften maybe taking a slightly more relaxed longer breath or two at the beginning into your belly, your diaphragm And now, sweeping your attention, scanning through your body, noticing the places that might be inclined to relax. We'll start with some of the places that are most helpful to tune into the details of the meditation posture. noticing the balance of your head over your shoulders and softening the eyes if they're not closed and it feels okay to do so, closing them refraining from staring forward into the future and perhaps allowing the eyes to be softly downcast behind the closed lids or even slightly looking back towards the body and the heart allowing your face and neck to soften Inviting the shoulders to soften and maybe roll back a little bit. Giving just a little more space in the rib cage for the breath. Noticing the shifting, changing position of your ribs and your chest. as the breath moves in and out. Noticing how the breath might soften your back. Middle back, lower back, upper back. And allowing your belly to hang softly gently softening the buttocks and the thighs and allowing any excess tension to drain out of your calves and ankles and feet as well as out of your forearms upper arms, hands just inviting may this body relax Allowing the attention to be in your whole body. Noticing the movement of breath. Noticing any sensations in your chest, around your heart. and inviting, allowing any emotion that might be present. It can be helpful perhaps to softly name it inside with a label. Gratitude or sadness or calm, whatever it is, noticing any sensations in your body, your heart, your belly. with the naming, the acknowledging it starts to shift and change noticing that and if no emotion is obvious it's okay just to rest your attention on the breath and the body but noticing then What replaces that emotion? What comes next? Letting be Allowing as you explore this, noticing too any extra layers, second arrows of reaction judgment, story oh, okay reaction labeling judging or allowing whatever it is Noticing the relationship between any commentary and the feelings, emotions emerging. If you find yourself pulled into an emotion or a story about an emotion it's natural Returning to the body, returning to the breath your anchor of attention home base here When the mind, the attention has steadied a little bit, perhaps with part of the attention on the breath, noticing again if any emotions are arising. returning again to this moment and noticing as gently and kindly as possible what's present what's the inner relationship the inner posture to what's happening right now in the last moment or two of this meditation. Returning full attention to this body and the breath. Feeling the effects of these moments of mindfulness on any tension or relaxation sensation noticing acknowledging whatever emotions or moods are present and noticing too the internal response all the way through the bell ringing. practice you're going on on that little trip and I both of us would love to hear any comments or questions how that was for you anything you want to share there's no wrong comment or wrong question
0: if there's a microphone within your reach if you could grab it and turn it on and just have it ready there's one there and one right there do you mind just helping um,
5: move them around as needed hi um, thank you for the meditation and the session Um, I guess I had a question um, because I feel like I'm having a hard time with Noticing emotion. Um, I feel like the past two sessions, like noticing your breath, noticing like sensations in your body or pain, things like that, feel very tangible and like doable for me. Uh, and I guess in this session, I noticed that um, I start with thinking to notice emotion. Like, I'm like, because then you were like, oh, like, notice what emotions are present for you. And then I'm like, okay, let me think of all this stuff in the back of my head and then I start to label like okay these are the emotions I'm feeling and then I guess my brain doesn't know what to do so it goes back to thinking and it's like okay let's think about everything related to these emotions and how I'm gonna fix it what I'm gonna do Um, so yeah I just feel like I don't know how to like find the space or I don't know if I know what it means to notice emotion and I feel like I get caught between like I can do the breath and body part And maybe that feels like I'm not focusing on the emotion when I'm doing that, or I'm not feeling the emotion. But then to feel the emotion, I end up going straight to thinking. So, um, yeah, that was my question.
2: There's ancient, ancient habit in all humans, tangling those two things together. So good noticing very good noticing of that that you're getting pulled in it's sticky as what we call it in our scene sticky, right? there's like a gravitational pull into the thought world so um, one thing that's really helpful is to slow it down and to when you do feel an emotion maybe instead of I, I hear the natural sort of ticking off you know, there's all these because there's all this stuff in the back of the head if it's possible to slow it down and pick one and then like really feel in your body if you feel anything associated with it or not and kind of take it one bird at a time so to speak right one one at a time so that's one thought um, Tanya do you have anything you'd like to add to that
0: yeah what happens if I ask you right now how are you feeling
5: I think it's the same thing. Like I go straight to like, oh, I I guess Mm -hmm. I'm feeling all these things because of all the thinking that's happening in the back of my head.
0: So if you were going to answer me with a feeling word, how are you feeling? A little anxious. (laughs) Okay. Right there. Just stay with a little anxious. Where do I feel at my body? How do I know I feel anxious or a little anxious? And the next practice we'll do will help you also with essentially a lot of what you're asking. But, um, you know, I think Donna's right that you're right. You know, emotions get very, the relationship between emotions and thoughts, right? Like, it's a big one. Big one. So it, it does take some refinement, but it's so powerful when you can start to pull them apart so incredibly helpful that's what starts to get us out of that reciprocal kind of reigniting an emotion over and over again is once we stop the, the thinking process and we turn more toward the raw, direct oh, okay alright, we'll settle in. I know I feel lots of things anxious so how do I know I feel anxious right now? What? what's happening in my body that tells me there's anxiety? Where do, what does that feel
5: like? So it's a lot of focusing on those tangible things related to the emotion. It's
0: yes. Okay.
5: Okay. That's helpful.
3: Thank you.
1: Hi, Tanya. Hi, Don. Good evening. Thank you. Um, this, this session I, I felt uh, was really zen because of the lights uh, at first I was like wow what's, it, this is new um, <laughs> but I, I don't know maybe this it being so subdued contributed to I think for the first time in my sitting I was just kind of aware of my breath and the noises from the outside so that was nice and um, the attempts at wanting to clear my mind there was no attempt. It was just there, and it was nice. And then I kind of noticed when Don had said, Let's, I'm going to ring the bell and notice how that feels. But then I was also noticing, oh, when's the second one coming? Um, but then I'm like, it's just, I'm noticing things more rather than attaching touching. Things to it, which is really nice. So, this um, the meditations from this from last Thursday to now, I've been able to just note, oh, okay, right now I'm feeling blank, and just being with that. So, it's just it's just very it's just very helpful. I don't think I'm trying so much as I'm just doing it without the trying. I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes it just. Sometimes it happens and no as Tanya said no two sittings are the same so thank you
2: <laughs> thank you great report okay. anybody else
0: please you have a question about a motion
2: Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, should we okay. Mm-hmm. Please.
0: How co- can you write it down, Richard, and bring it over? Because we got it. Yeah.
4: Uh, one comment you made earlier about the arrow and the second arrow, the third arrow. Um. Uh, while reflecting, it's like if we want to feel the pain, it's like one way, another way is like, um, let's say it's a, there's a curved mirror and the ray comes at an angle versus like right in the center of the, you know, the um, mirror. So when we have the, um, If it is coming at an angle, then um, it will never hurt. It's it will be grazing. Um, uh, If we that is how we feel that uh, feel those arrows, versus if we really say that okay, this is really coming right in the middle. Then that's like the um, I don't know if I'm um, so I'm just uh, interpreting your comments. so, how we alleviate pain or how we let go of that pain, even despite that, you know, it's one, two, three, several arrows still, but they are all okay. Did, did know. Am I?
2: So, I'm not sure I'm understanding everything oh, you're saying, okay. but it sounds like you're saying there's something less direct about the second, third, fourth, tenth arrows. Um, Is that right?
4: We We are aware we are aware that those arrows are there, Mm -hmm. but uh, mm, even if, like, the first one has made us alert and aware, but uh, even if there are several of them, but they just keep grazing, now it is up to us how we interpret. Um, So whether it is like a soft... uh, um, tenderness or whatever uh, we would, I don't know what we will call it, but it's, it is um, arousing that tenderness, uh, but it is um, not um, significant enough that uh, um, it is uh, causing any harm. It is is—it is just making us aware uh one by one I mean or, or even if there is just one arrow that's that's fine too I'm just making mm-hmm. trying to interpret those uh, comments about uh, or the the um, uh, when you mm, talk about arrows and you know the being aware or being present I don't know if you I can say being present mm-hmm. with respect to mm, Uh, pain or whatever Uh,
2: So uh, what I hear you saying is that the interpretation of what happens next is very important and um, there's a lot of wisdom to that and it's helpful to um, notice the interpretations our minds are making that are increasing pain and the interpretations that are increasing the tenderness you're talking about that make them less that make subsequent judgments, because we are, the, the analogy here to the second and third and fourth arrow is in our own minds, right? Our own interpretations. There's a beautiful story um, of the Buddha's awakening, where um, the forces of delusion are sending arrows at him, and he turns them into flowers. So a very um, attuned mind can take anything Awake mind can take anything as information in order to increase wisdom, understanding, even awakening. So, thank you for your comment.
0: You. Yeah. Great. So, let me um, introduce another part, another way to work with emotions, a little more structured. It's based on an acronym that essentially spells the word RAFT but with two Ts. And um, before I describe the raft in terms of what the acronym is, I want to just say what the place of the simile of a raft is in the Buddhist teaching, which is essentially the Buddha taught a story about how the tools that you learn, the practices that we're learning, will act like a raft that can help you cross a river to the shore of freedom, away from the shore of suffering. And that we use those tools. We have to actually actively paddle with our arms and legs on that raft to get from one side to the other. And once we get to that side, we don't need to keep using the raft, right? We can leave the raft on the shore. But... It's a very, this idea of a tool or a way or a practice that can help us stay afloat in the current of life. The flow of thoughts and emotions and experiences and arrows. So this simile of a raft is a very profound one in the teachings. Um, The other thing I'll say about this simile is that it is essentially a way to relate a guide for relationship to our experience, a step by step process to help us find our way with emotions in particular. And, you know, we're really trying to emphasize. Awareness and attention, so being aware of and what we're attending to, and then the relationship we're having with our experience. So what is our you know inner relationship with tenderness or harshness, right? Or many other adjectives you can choose. And you know, or in our ordinary life, when we're not practicing mindfulness, it, you could say that um, our minds act like a boat or a raft that's adrift in the currents. We're not paddling; we're just getting tossed about. We're going to and fro based on whatever is thrown our way, internally or externally. Does that make sense? So. You could describe the ordinary mind or the unmindful mind as a mind that is unrelated, unconnected, ungrounded, disconnected, right? To a process, to being aware to we're not really relating to it. We're reacting or going in this flow. And that when we're when we get carried away by it like that, we lose perspective. We can't see the shore. Right? So we can't orient. We don't have a um, kind of anyone we can turn to. <laughs> There's no relationship there. There's no reference point. So as we grow our awareness, as we grow our mindfulness, our self awareness, right, um, we start to grow a self relationship, a, self-relationship, a re- meditation relationship. And a lot of um, awareness itself, the just knowing, is this actual simple ability. Very pure, simple knowing. Very, very simple and pure knowing. Kind of almost even a neutral attention. But it takes some time to get there. (laughs) to that neutral space. So we use kind of our capacity to grow our ability to relate to ourselves with this more open, more fluid, more responsive way of being. There's a quote from Viktor Frankl um, in Man's Search for Meaning, and it's between uh, the stimulus Let's see. Between a stimulus and the response is the place for potential freedom. That pause between something happening and our reacting to it, the pause is where our freedom is found. And the more pause, the more freedom, the more choice we have. So that. Creating the capacity for that pause requires a neutrality. If we are immediately reactive to what's coming up, it feeds the intensity, right? The more likely we are to react quickly to something. So this, you know, kind of attention, this awareness, it is possible to become aware of being aware we can start to notice that, oh, I'm aware. And there's a way that when we see that, oh I I look, I'm no I'm aware, oh now I'm aware, I'm, I'm anxious. There's a little bit of a sitting back that can happen into that. Oh, just pure knowing. So that'll happen from time to time. You'll move in and out of it. But when you notice it, try and when you feel like, oh yeah, I'm aware that I'm aware. Oh, feel into that space. That that's there's something There that can be very supportive and helpful. So now we'll come back to the acronym, RAFT. I'll tell you what each letter stands for, and then I'll move into a guided practice for you. So R is a simple recognition. Like, oh, hi, Corey. I see you. You're sitting here. Like, just this, oh, hello, right? I see you, you know? So the naming is part of that. Like, the recognition, you know, naming is a way that we get into clarity with something, right? Like, that's where the naming of an emotion becomes helpful. Because we get, oh, now I know what I'm focusing on. Okay, there's a lot going on in here, but, oh, let me name that emotion. And... If it's hard to name, you could choose to say, um, describe it in a simple word, like painful or intense or hot, you know. So don't worry about getting the exact right name, but something that feels like enough, right? Um, So recognize. The next step, the A, is to have a relationship with what you're recognizing that allows it to be there allows it space a lot of times we don't want what we're feeling or we want more of what we're feeling and either way we're not really allowing space for that emotion um, for what's going on so recognize then allow see if I can't kind of Accept is another optional word, but sometimes people have a hard time. I can't accept that I'm feeling this way or that this is going on. But can you allow that it is already happening? That's the thing. It's already here. So allowing that reality to be acknowledged. The F in the raft is to feel it, to find and feel it in the body. So that's when we start to really turn into it in a more intimate way, like okay, I named this as anxiety It's such a good one, so common. what does that feel like where do, do I feel it my solar plexus? Oh, no, it's more in my stomach, it kind of spreads up but or oh it's like in my chest, I can't breathe. It feels like pressure, you know um it feels like you know squeezing it feels like pounding so whatever words work but to describe the sens- sensation of it the ex- the feeling and part of what we're doing is disconnecting from the thinking story right which allows us to stop that kind of circular pattern of reigniting the emotion and sometimes it's so simple and fast it's almost like oh i named it and it disappears Literally, it can really move just instantly through us. Other times, emotions are longer lasting, even if we're we think we're trying to shift toward the the sensation, because there's something stronger in the mind, some image or idea that that kind of permeates. The next part in the raft is to tease it apart, like to literally help yourself. Oh. Here's the memory of that back then. That's not happening here and now. But this memory is part of it. Oh, here's the story I'm telling myself about having this feeling. Like, aren't I done with this yet? Aren't I better yet? That's my story. So I like to imagine a big round table with a lot of chairs and a lot of space. And so as I tease apart what's happening... In the, in the emotion, if I get this far, because it may have dissolved already. I like to give each little part that I become aware of a seat at this table. I don't have to do anything else but name them and give it a little space. Sometimes they need recliners. <laughs> you know, you can play with your mind and what helps you let it sit, What you, what helps it allow it to be there And kind of let it, it's like pulling apart something so you can see it better. You get a better view. Oh, my God, look at this. I'm anxious right now partly because of what happened to me in kindergarten. Oh. Oh, and and there's the friend that I had at that time sitting over here, too, and I don't even know who she is anymore, right? So it starts to help us kind of disentangle the, the big tangle (laughs) inside our minds. The last T and the double T is to end with a sense of trust. Can we trust the nature of life? Can we trust that these emotions come and go? What can you trust? Because what does trust do? When we feel into trust, what happens? Ah, there's a letting go or relaxing And that's really important because we've just done a lot of work trying to figure these things out, and now we just don't need to do anything else. We can trust what we know. We can trust that, that there's a process. Just like the body knows how to digest food when you eat it, your body knows how to synthesize an emotion if we feel it. We don't have to, like, tell it step by step what to do. It knows how. The system knows how. So if we can get out of the way, if we can stop shooting the arrows, can we trust the system? Can we trust nature? Can we trust awareness? Can we trust that things change, come and go, and that this is going to change on its own in some point, some way? All right. So now let's practice. So first of all, I want you to orient. We're going to do this fairly quickly. But any time we're going to practice it's always good orient. Okay, where am I right now? What day is this? What time is this? How is my body? What is my posture? Take a minute to yep, rock back and forth, sit up. Okay, I want to bring an upright attention to my practice. I want to be awake. I want to see. I want to connect. And then finding, you know, the body. Finding yourself settling into the body. Set your attention to be aware. I want to work on being aware and mindful and present for my experience here and now, as directly as I can be. Not the story, the experience. And then let's take three deep breaths. Let's Three longer breaths with the exhale inviting a letting go to relax into an upright posture but letting the muscles soften. Okay, and then, just like if we're coming into contact with another human, you might ask, what are you feeling? What am I feeling right now? And you might feel many things. So just, just choosing and naming one emotion one feeling kind of like oh I'm I'm mostly relaxed but I can feel a little edge a little anxiety a little sadness a little frustration whatever it is just okay let me tune into this I see you So choose one part of your emotional experience that you're willing to relate to right now in this moment. And then notice with the A, am I able to allow this emotion, this feeling, to be acknowledged right now? Allowing it to be known. There can be a feeling of rightness that happens in this moment, a feeling of, okay, yes. And when you feel that sense of, okay, I can allow this, move to the F, the find and feel it. If you can't find that feeling of allowing, what you can then name is resistance Not wanting. And an emotion in that. That might be what you end up then recognizing. Oh, yeah, I can allow myself to recognize I'm resisting. I'm not wanting. I don't like. Okay. And then we move to the F. Can you find it and feel it in your sensation body? Key places to check. Check are the belly and the chest, shoulders and neck, the jaw, the eyebrow, temple area, eyes. But even the hands, you might notice, or the feet and legs can be bracing. seeing if you can't gently recognize the sensations and where you feel them in your body, just that acknowledging awareness, just as it is. And rather than resisting it or succumbing to it, kind of standing with it in witness. If you find any of the feelings or sensation become overwhelming, it's okay to back up, shift your focus, or just tune into one part that feels manageable. We don't need to try and do too much or work with something that doesn't feel like we can be with it. when you're ready if there's something there that still would be worked with we move to the teasing apart this is that idea of the table the chairs where we might acknowledge oh here's the story I tell myself about this feeling and give it a seat oh here's an image of myself Give it a seat. Oh, here's liking or not liking this feeling, and give it a seat. So there's ideas about things. There's stories, beliefs, memories, images, preferences. These are all parts that could be teased apart. Maybe if you can figure out two pieces of it and just set it at the table, that's enough. And as you allow this some space, you might just drop in the question... Hmm, what's hard for me about being with this? Or where do I feel stuck? What what do I want to get rid of? In what way do I not want this experience? And then moving to the last T, because you just because we're practicing quickly with this right now, you can always come back. If you were going to shift to the last T, what can I trust? About what I'm seeing, about my experience, about mindfulness. Like, emotions won't kill me, for example, might be something you can trust. Maybe breathing helps me. Can you trust that? Maybe it's helpful to know it's impermanent and that it will change. Can you trust that? And giving yourself another 20 seconds to find what you trust, something simple inviting that trust to come more fully into your being. So we have time for one or two questions or comments. Um, How was that for you? How was the raft process for you? Great, grab the mic.
1: I think this one was kind of intense, only because I was recognizing that I all the stressors that i've allowed in my life and and how it's just been i've allowed myself to be dominated by the stresses of work mm. and i'm like oh i have more to cultivate outside of that uh, and then uh, then i was allowing myself to uh, allowing myself with that kind of recognition that my life is not my job and then feeling i was feeling all the the things and focusing but then I was also just recollecting all the things that happened today at work. and But then I noticed that it was all positive stuff. And so I think towards the end, I, I, I just was trying to trust myself in that I can I can just be... Mm. like put the practice and just... Whatever happens, it's okay. I'm, mm. I, I can just know what I'm at least be more aware of what I'm thinking.
0: What yeah. happened, Ann Rose, yeah. when you got to that point? What did you notice?
1: Uh, it was a bit freeing. A just bit? Freeing. Just a little bit.
0: A little there. bit is a lot.
1: I, but there was yeah. also the part, though, that you had mentioned about the space between the thought. Yes. And I just... I don't know if is it because I don't have the emotional maturity yet to to not respond, you know, or just I'm like I want to have that emotional intelligence to not react in a way where I I will regret what I'm doing or saying. I just can just, I can I say something
0: about that emotional intelligence piece? Is that um it is wisdom we grow but it's, it's wisdom that's like a muscle, not like IQ it's a muscle that grows the wisdom that grows from direct experience, direct knowing directly having that little moment of a little bit of freedom every time we have that experience with awareness we're growing and strengthening that wisdom so it's a combination of a, a muscle that we grow, the capacity, but also the taking in of the wisdom. Does that make sense? So it's a process. It takes practice. We don't go from no gap to a huge gap, usually. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you. And that was wonderful illustration. and. I'll be here after we need to shift to closing so if anyone has other comments or questions afterwards please don't hesitate to yeah. approach Don or I
2: Yeah, we'll both stay after meanwhile I just want to offer on behalf of both of us our deeply sincere appreciation for all of you and for coming here and for cultivating this and your practice and to invite you to um Consider some homework, assignment, a mission, should you choose to accept it. There's um, four components this this week, and they're all on the handout, but I'm just going to briefly mention them now. The first is to up your meditation time to 25 minutes a day if you're not already practicing that much. When you can, with all the caveats that we know that life happens, so um, whether it's five times a week or seven times a week or three times a week to do the best you can the second is to really at some point in the week you can do it more than once if you want notice an emotion coming up and just ride it out just ride it out rather than building stories about it or um, getting into commentary about it, see how best you can ride it out, and use the tools, the raft tools that Tanya just gave. They are also on the handout, so you don't have to remember everything she said. The third thing is to really take time to notice and savor any feelings of happiness, contentment, joy, anything in the positive, beneficial realm, And the last is um, Notice which feelings, which emotions pull you into preoccupation Many of us have sort of a greatest hits list, right? And to just start to notice what your pattern is We've all got them So, those are all written down Should you choose to accept it That's what we're asking Need to do. And also just to mention that there are other resources here at IMC. There is a book of Gil Fronstell, our guiding teacher, one of our guiding teachers' um, essays called The Issue at Hand. And I believe that stack of books is in the front on the little counter, the Donna box, as you exit. And there's also, on that same area, a newsletter. So both of those contain resources of different kinds, essays or entries about other classes, other groups that kind of thing so thank you again so much for your practice, for being here together in community and with us and if you all have um, other questions or comments please feel free to come up and chat with us. Thank you guys we're going to dedicate the merit very briefly, sorry Um, may all beings everywhere including and especially ourselves and those our lives touch benefit from this practice
1: Thank you all Be well